and another thing, the podcast that is sweeping the nation, setting records on a day-to-day basis. My name is Jody Jenkins. And I'm Tony Clement. And we are welcoming you back to another episode. I, I, I feel like this is episode, I should know this, but our producer Travis probably has a better handle on it, but like we must be like 33 episodes in, 34. We're I relatively th- I think new. we're in the, in the, the mid-30s almost, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're relatively, sure. relatively new, but gaining traction week yeah. in and week out. So yeah, it's excited. great to get the feedback. Uh, thanks for everybody uh, who does uh, give us some feedback uh, once in a while. We always do appreciate that. And uh, we're very excited about growing the audience. It's just fantastic when we get uh, new listeners on. So we are going to get right to it with our guest today. And Tony, I know I set this guest up. I know that you've carried the load for weeks now. I set this guest up. He's a great guy. But I hope you're okay with the fact that, you know, I kind of took a little bit of initiative and went out, reached out to a friend of mine and got him on the program. But you'll be you'll be back in the driver's seat soon with I'm very excited that, that you did this, actually, Jody. And and I'm I couldn't be more excited about our guest. It really is taking our podcast to another level. So thank you for doing that. All right. So let's introduce he's a good friend of mine. Uh, sure to be a good friend of the show. Uh, very soon after he has enjo- has his enjoyment, has a good time on the show. But we want to welcome, he is a former WWE wrestler. He is a current musician. He is an influencer in the world of social media. He's a very skilled guy. He's an excellent father, amazing husband, passionate about everything he does, always puts forward 110%. I want to welcome Lionel Green, a.k.a. Leo Rush, a.k.a. the man of the hour, AKA the 25 year old piece of gold. AKA is there is there ones I'm missing Leo? Man, what an introduction. <laughs> I think you got all of them. Man. Are you sure? I think you got all of them. Are yeah, you sure? I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. Maybe maybe some people call me the Versace doctor, but I don't know if you Ooh. know about that one. <laughs> so I got to I got to share this right off the top before we get into some, you know, hard-hitting questions and and doing a deep dive on on some of the uh, things going on in the in the current world, but one of the things I got to mention it, and actually that intro kind of gives a good segue because my first experience with Leo was through Instagram. I'm a wrestling fan, and I follow him on Instagram, and I watched him on WWE, and I followed him in Ring of Honor and in these other organizations. But he, you used to do a lot of engagement with fans, but engagement in a way that you totally understood from your perspective the appreciation that needs to be given to these fans because i i I know that you get this without the fans there's no wrestling i mean that's what you do it for and the way that you used to treat the fans and on instagram and you'd get some of them to do your intro and you just went out of your way to make these uh, guys and girls feel so welcomed and you made their day and i know that i know that you appreciate that but just tell us a little bit about your engagement with the fans because i don't i don't see that a lot maybe it maybe because i'm not following a lot of other guys which i'm not or wrestlers but i I don't know i just feel like that is not the norm and maybe you can just talk about that for a second yeah for sure i mean this is definitely such a a big uh important topic of discussion for me every time it's brought up because i am so appreciative of my fans and i feel like everybody should be i know a lot of people say that they are um, but you know, 
whether the case is they don't have enough time or they really don't mean it or whatever the case is. Like, I just feel like I want to be the one to say, I appreciate you. And for that, uh, I want to, I want to talk to you like on a day to day basis. I want to let you know how much, uh, I appreciate your support, uh, and, and everything. And I feel like that's why I started doing the, the Instagram lives and going live with my fans. Um, you know, it was at a point where I was doing these like every day, three times a day. Uh, and you know, I just wanted to talk to them because without them, without their love, their support, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to, you know, live the life that I'm living. I, I wouldn't be perceived as, you know, a big deal to, you know, important organizations or companies. Uh, you know, that's just a huge part of the world now, social media. And when, you know, companies see those numbers, uh, you know, they tend to give you more opportunities or, you know, better better opportunities or whatever. So, you know, like it's, like I said, without without my fans, you know, they, they are the reason why I am uh, in the position that I'm in now and uh, the reason of, you know, who the person is behind Leo Rush. Leo, I want to get into some harder hitting topics that I know that you're not going to shy away from them. I, I don't, I, so full disclosure too. So I run a sports agency where I represent uh, athletes, uh, mostly in the golf sector, and so and and a musician, an amazing musician named Leo Rush, uh, called Zeke Agency. But the other day, I was texting texting with you, and I said, uh, if you have time, watch the Garth Brooks documentary that's on. Netflix right now. I'm going to assume that you haven't watched that yet. Is that correct? Not, not quite yet. Okay. Not quite yet. So <laughs> it, there is a part in there. I'm gonna, I don't want. I mean, I'm not going to ruin it, but I'll, I want to talk about it for a second. But you know, we've talked about this on our show. Uh, the situation in the world currently uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement. You're a young black man, and I, I, I mean, I consider you a powerful black man who doesn't shy away from uh, standing up for injustice and speaking his mind and. I'll let you get into the full details, but not that long ago, you released a, a letter that uh, you had uh, written to um, executives, I assume, in the uh, the World Wrestling Entertainment uh, Organization about some of your experiences. Um, the connection with the Garth Brooks documentary, just to tie it in before I get into the question, is, you know, 30 years ago, Garth Brooks released a song called uh, We Shall Be Free, talking about the exact same inequalities that we have today, which is... Is sad because it's it, it, you want to say that there's been movement, and I'm sure there has. And your angle or your perspective might offer a little bit more of uh, detail because you're living the life from from that perspective as a as a black man. Uh, I want to know, in from a wrestling perspective, first, how prevalent is racism in wrestling in your experiences? What what can you share about the ups the downs? What have you had to go through, or has it been has it been good? Um, well, it, it hasn't always been bad. Uh, well, and, and even, you know, I don't even want to throw the bad title on it. Um, I think, I think I would say it's unfortunate. Um, but on the independent scene, I was on the independent scene for about two, two and a half years before I got signed to the WWE. On the independent scene, you know, I'm doing everything on my own and, you know, I'm also working with people uh, all across the world that are currently doing uh, things on their own. And there's so many independent promotions. Um, so I feel like nobody feels threatened. Nobody 
feels like, you know, they're fighting for their position or, or anything like that because, you know, there's so many independent promotions across the world. There's so many independent wrestlers. There's so many promoters. So I felt like things were, were always, you know, equal. I felt like everybody, you know, had to work hard in order to get to the next level or to progress. Um, I, I felt like, and, you know, you hear the stories uh, from from ex, you know, WWE wrestlers about their experiences and um, just the times that that seemed uh, like it wasn't real uh, because of, you know, the um, the unfairness that, that comes with, uh, you know, a, a big organization like that uh, as far as, you know, racial inequality or or whatever the case may be. But I feel like my experience in the WWE was, was far different from, from the independent scene. And I feel like it, it, it's, it's unfortunate um, that you, you don't see, you know, African-American heavyweight champions, or you don't see a face of the company that is African-American, uh, you know, and, and if you do, I feel like it's kind of somewhat of a, you know, publicity stunt. I don't even know if publicity stunt is the word that I'm, that I'm looking for, the phrase that I'm looking for, but I just feel like it's always a, a moment. And I, and I, I feel like it should just be the way that it is. I feel, I, I feel like, uh, and this is something that, you know, that I, that I touched on privately, you know, to my, to my wife and my family and stuff. But, you know, every once in a while I still get tagged in WWE posts and, and stuff like that because my fans miss me and stuff. And I, I would see that, uh, you know, what's going on in the current WWE world. And I just found it, it was something unsettling about the fact that while all of this, uh, the, the protests and the Black Lives Matter movement was going on, that we finally had Apollo Crews as the United States champion, that we finally had Bobby Lashley going for the world title. It's like, why now? Like, why try to capitalize on real life, you know, scenarios and tragedies to push this agenda? Like, it, it, it's always, in my eyes, it always felt like, okay, this is the right time to now put an African-American on top because these real life, you know, social injustice issues are going on. And it was just something always unsettling, you know, uh, to me. So I know I'm rambling right now, but I get pretty emotional when I, when I think. No, I, Leo, I think you're exactly right. And I, I would say that, you know, I've been watching for wrestling or watching wrestling a long time. You have been as well, and you've been following it, but you're right. Because I can remember years ago, uh, as an example, when Butch Reed, I think I don't remember what uh, organization it was when they put the title on him or a title, but that's always the angle. The first African-American to win the like you'd think that by now that's not the first thing that comes out of the mouth of someone when, when it's. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's just, you know, Bobby Lashley's the next world champ or Apollo Cruz is the U.S. champ, not the first African-American. Like, it's just you're right. It's yeah. always it's always an angle. And I, I 
It's but but I would also say this after listening to some of your other interviews, I think it's safe to say, and I'm not I don't want to say just with WWE, but I'm sure maybe you can correct me. But it's almost built on inequality because you've talked about this. You go out, work the same shows in front of the same people, do the same amount of time, and people get differentiations in paychecks. Now, granted, it's because you you work those angles and the contracts, but still. That's an element of inequality. You're in front of the, you're in the same building, in front of the same people, working the same nights, and some people get paid differently, right? Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, for sure. And you know, sometimes the conversation comes up, uh, you know, uh, you know, this person has more experience, or this person's been here longer, and stuff like that. And you know, the longer that I've been in the WWE. Uh, I started to, you know, realize that that's not, you know, always the case. Yeah. It, you know, it's based on a lot of a lot of other things that doesn't have to do with, you know, talent or, or ticket sales and stuff like that. It's just, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much <laughs> that. Tony, did you want to jump in on this this topic? Sure. Uh, again, thanks, Leo, for being on our program. Uh, the protests are uh, now over three weeks old. Uh, are you seeing a change in, at all in the dialogue uh, amongst Americans on this? And furthermore, are you seeing any change in the demeanor of people just in your everyday uh, lives? Like, is it something that has pierced through and that people are becoming more mindful of maybe their prejudices of the past? Yeah. Um, so, initially when I started seeing the protest and everything, um, I, I was on social media pretty heavily, uh, just trying to see, you know, where it was happening, when it was happening, you know, how many people were participating in the, the, the protest. And, um, I, I started to see, you know, as I'm sure you saw too, um, you know, justice was, was served, you know, and what the people did, uh, and how they did it, it, it worked in a way where, you know, the powers that be made the decision that everybody, you know, wanted to happen. So I, I definitely, you know, that's changed right there. You know, the, I feel like people's voices were, were heard. And, um, but as far as, after, as far as like right now, um, I haven't really been on social media as much just because it was such a overwhelming and, uh, you know, energy consuming <laughs> thing that happened. Sure. Sure. And once a conclusion was, was, was kind of made, um, I just needed to get off. I needed to take a, I needed to take a break. I needed to digest, you know, what happened. Um, but you know, I, I, I would assume that, you know, things are going to be moving different, differently from, from now on, at least I would hope so. Uh, right. be, because it, it shows that, you know, if, if there's a large amount of people that are unhappy with something, then they are going to now do what they did before because they saw that it worked. So I feel like, you know, now the people that were involved in that, them seeing that it worked, I feel like, uh, uh, you know, things are going to move forward 
in a more positive light. Uh, people are going to be uh, getting uh, taken more seriously uh, when issues come up or, or anything like that. And um, yeah, so so like I said, I haven't seen if there's any day to day change because I haven't been on social media, but I, I hope so because I definitely don't want to see another you know riot or protest you know, five miles away from my house. <laughs> sure, sure. No, under, understood. And and uh, I saw some uh, U.S. polling, which indicated uh, attitudes generally amongst the population uh, pertaining to Black Lives Matter has changed radically and remarkably. That Black Lives Matter as a term was negatively construed, uh, you know, a couple of years ago and, and months ago. And now, uh, is uh, has a very positive connotation uh, off the Richter scale. So that's an interesting change of public awareness and attitude. Uh, yes. But I also worry, uh, being a bit of a student in history, I just read a great biography by Ron Chernow of Ulysses S. Grant, who was the great Union general and then two-term U.S. president. And after the, the Civil War, uh, you know, he was prosecuting... Uh, post-war reconstruction in the U.S. South and brought in U.S. troops whenever there was a, a white militia that wanted to kill black, freed black people or wanted to kill white people that sympathized with freed black people. He would send in uh, the Union Army. And then after a few years of that, people just got tired of it. And they, they, they didn't want to see that anymore. They, they got tired of the army continually being mobilized. And, and that created a lot of the history that came after that, where uh, civil rights had to be fought for uh, throughout America, but certainly in the southern U.S. So that's the only worry that I have. I'd love you to, your reaction to that, that, that people just get tired of the movement and move on. Um, I think... I definitely understand and, and get where you're coming from. And I, I, I hope that that is, you know, not the case that people uh, kind of saw it as a, you know, bandwagon kind of movement and eventually move on as time, you know, goes by. I feel like in this instance, in this case, and, uh, and as far as I can, I can you know, really remember, uh, I know that issues like this have, have came up with, you know, African-American men and women being, uh, you know, killed and murdered for, for no reason um, by, you know, law enforcement. But I've never seen the entire world as upset as it was right. over this case. I, I, I feel like, you know, you weren't just getting, you know, politicians angry. You weren't just getting actors angry, like musicians, like wrestlers, uh, any type of athlete. You know, I feel like the entire world was so upset and everybody uh, was talking about this, not even just the African-American community, but from people of all you know, race, uh, color, ethnicity, um, you know, a lot of people were outraged. So I don't, that, that's the biggest difference that I've seen from this situation, from, from other similar, uh, cases. 
but I think that this this was this was truly a shift in you know in, in the world. I feel like this is going to be you know in the history books forever, and I feel like this this was a major you know thing that happened that that's going to change a lot. Um, yeah, I just I've just never seen anything like this before. As long as as, as I've been living, true, true. Yeah, that's a good point, Jody. Leo, I want to get into your music in one second, but I just have two questions. I don't know if they're going to be short answers or long answers, but I'm just curious. Uh, when you were young, what uh, what life was like growing? I know. Again, I heard another podcast where you said you know family uh, was great, influential, and and lots of stuff there. But I'm just curious. Any uh, interesting experiences uh when you were a kid growing up that you can you can share that uh that stick out to you um yeah i i know you know as a kid my parents wanted to show me uh you know diversity uh being okay right from the jump i was always put in like camps, like summer camps or whether that was uh, training camps for baseball or, or basketball. Uh, but mostly it was baseball for me. And um, so I was always around different races and um, I, I've just never seen it as, you know, black and white. You know, I grew up you know, to a certain extent, when it came to sports, at least, when it came to sports, I, I, I grew up, you know, with Hispanics. I grew, I grew up with, you know, white people. I, I grew up with, you know, people from Ethiopia and Asia. You know, I've, I've been around so many, you know, different um, races. And, but when I got back home, you know, it was, it was strictly, you know, that's all you saw was, was African-American, uh, you know, growing up in D.C. and going to public schools. Um, so that part of my life was a little rough. And then I remember going to a private school for the first time when I was uh, going into my freshman year of, of uh, high school. And that was a definitely a, a, a different experience for me because I got accepted into this private school because of baseball. I had a I had a athletic scholarship to go to that school, so that was the first time in my life where sports kind of mixed into my you know educational life. And then when that happened, you know, it was how it was when I would go to baseball camps. I was just around so many, you know, different races. Uh, it wasn't just going to school with all black kids anymore. It was, you know, now seeing Asians walking down the, the hallways and, uh, you know, Hispanics. And that list goes on and on with just different um, people. And then that kind of got snatched away from me. So I got that small taste of, you know, that life filled with uh, different ethnicities around me for about a year and a half. And then I stopped playing baseball and transitioned over into wrestling. And then when I did that, 
Um, scholarship had gotten taken away from me. My family could no longer afford that school. So I went back to public school. So um, that was that was kind of hard for me to transition back to that. Uh, but, you know, that that's definitely a major point in my life where I feel like I, for the first time, I saw the difference in, you know, different races and stuff like that. I want to talk about your music now, and if you're comfortable with it, sharing a little bit about some of the struggles that you've gone through and you're very open about, and it drives a lot of the um, stories behind the music that you do. Your latest release, Ever After. Um, I'm going to say right now, my favorite song is I Wonder. That's my favorite song. <laughs> also, also, I believe your most streamed song, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. But yes. Leo, tell us a little bit about um, how that is that music an outlet for you to share some of the the tough times, the good times as well, I'm sure. But just talk to us about your music, because you are only 25 years old. The sky's the limit. You're only scratching the surface. I mean, obviously, I'm in your corner 100 percent, but I'm it's it's exciting to watch the growth, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, my uh, my music is is definitely uh, a positive outlet for me. Um, for me, you know, personally, I feel like it's it's you know the only way to truly express myself. You know, it's so hard, you know, dealing with you know mental health issues and also wanting to trust people to you know tell them what's going on with you without feeling judged or without someone kind of interrupting what I'm saying to, you know, uh, throw their opinion at me or, or whatever. I feel like music, I can kind of just be free. I can be open. I can express the way that I feel and tell people how I'm feeling without any interruption, without, uh, any judgment, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's just a really cool thing to me that I can tell my story with having dramatic music in the background. It's kind of like that same feeling when I walk around, if I'm like walking around Disney and I'm like shopping around at some stores, but in the background, I'm hearing that cinematic music in the background uh, and it just feels like a fairy tale. That's just that's the same feeling I get with creating music. I'm I'm telling people my life story and, you know, the instrumental is, you know, that background music that, you know, just brings everything to life. So I feel like my music is very uh, important to me, um, you know, to, to just tell people, you know, how I'm feeling or when I'm feeling it and, you know, why I feel that way. Tony is a musician as well. Now, Tony, you brought your guitar. Are you able to play some of your favorite Leo tracks? Nice. Right now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't have that musical acuity uh, to uh, <laughs> complex melodies. I'm afraid, but uh, I, I, I feel the same way that Leo does. In that, music for me is an outlet. Uh, I don't. I don't compose my own songs, uh, but at the same time. Uh, when I'm playing, I feel creative. Uh, how, how how I arrange songs, how I express those songs, uh, it is a, it is a function of who I am, and uh, that that's half the fun, right? So 
Uh, I, I get what Leo's saying. And of course, songwriting is about trying to make something specific general, but also trying to take a general trend and making it specific. You're doing kind of both things simultaneously. Uh, and that's what makes a good song when people can relate to it. Uh, and I, I'm very glad you uh, do approach mental wellness issues and, uh, you know, how people have to struggle with mental wellness. I think that's so important, especially in the time of COVID where mental health issues have gone off the Richter scale because uh, uh, our lives have been so disrupted. So I, I want to commend you for that and, and encourage you on that, Leo. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been uh, rough, rough for me. I can see, you know, that's, that's all I've been doing, um, you know, honestly. Uh, you know, I haven't put out much other than that album that I recently put out, but I was working on that before, you know, COVID, you know, started. So right. while it's going on, that's all I've been doing is writing and recording and, you know, just trying not to go too crazy in here but it has it definitely has affected my my mental health in a way uh that it hasn't been affected before um you know luckily i have you know my family here to kind of uh hold me down i'm not you know traveling the world by myself so i thank god for that uh but yeah it's been it's been it's been a loud ride these last couple of months. Have you had people respond to your music and, and say things like, uh, yeah, you nailed that because that's what I was going through in my life too. Yeah, I, man. And I, I, I wish, I wish that I can screenshot. I just never feel, I hate screenshot shotting things because it feels sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, um, I, I get messages on a daily basis, man, like maybe, you know, a good, a good 10, I would say a good 10 every day. I would get people messaging me and, and saying, you know, this, this song has changed my life so much. This song means the world to me. Uh, this song helped me get through this situation. Uh, and it's always some pretty deep stuff and, you know, like paragraphs, and I just think it's amazing. And I, and I say this every time, you know, when I put out a song and I, I'll talk to my wife and say, you know, this is so weird. I was writing this song like in the bathroom just randomly. And then I put it out and uh, it, it's changing people's lives. Yeah. Uh, it, that's just such a great feeling to me that I was literally sitting in my bathroom writing this song because I was feeling, you know, some kind of way and it had the power to, you know, change somebody's life and save somebody's life. So that's, that's amazing. That's a, that is an amazing feeling. So congratulations on that front for sure. Leo, I want to honor your time this morning because I know you're a busy man and I'm sure we could go hours with you, but uh, <laughs> we're going to, we'll wrap it up and, and let you get back to what you got to do. But uh, we would encourage everyone that is a fan of the show, subscribe, download, uh, make sure that uh, you follow Leo on Instagram. You won't be disappointed on Twitter as well. And you're so authentic. I mean, the passion that you speak with, so well-spoken. Don't ever lose that. 
I mean, for 25 years old, it's 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 pretty impressive. So I'm uh, I'm proud to have you on the show. Proud to have you a part of our uh, our crew at Zeke. So we're looking forward to even bigger things. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. And and Tony, before you before we let Leo go, I hopefully I, I I know this came up on another interview he did, but Leo's father played three or four years in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. What was, I, what was the team? What was the team or teams? I, so there was two teams. I can never, I, I can never, I know <laughs> one of them. I want to say one of them were the lions. Am, the BC I, am, lions. I, am I right? BC the, lions. BC lions. Yeah. And then you I, might I, know the other one. I can't say the other one. I'm hoping the other one was the Hamilton tiger cats. Cause that's my no, team. I, but, I don't uh, think it was, but I, I don't remember. Uh, I just know the lions for sure. But I thought that was a, a pretty cool connection to Canada and Leo is a big fan of Canada. I mean, he loves coming here and hopefully, uh, hopefully when coronavirus is all said and done, we can have you up for a visit. That'd be fun. We'll have a non-social distance gig going yes, on. Yes, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks buddy. We appreciate it. Thank, thank you so much for having me on. This was fun. There you go. Now, you know, Leo well, Rush. Thanks for that. Yeah. Well, it's the least I can that do for great. what you've done over the last. Well, no, but months. no, but it's great. It's great. You've got some great uh, people that you're associated with, and he's a very thoughtful young man. And I can only wish him success in his musical career. And uh, anyone who can survive WWE and then come out the other end yeah. and start a music career, that he's going to have something going for him. That's for sure. And if you get a chance, Tony, you got to check out some of his videos on YouTube of him wrestling because he is unbelievable in the ring. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. I've, I've, I've now followed him on Instagram, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll get uh, I'll get more information about uh, Leo Rush and his career, and we do, we just wish him the absolute best. All right. Well, I guess we'll do this again in seven days. Don't forget to subscribe and download. And I'm gonna see you. Spread the word. I'm gonna see you in a couple days too because you're coming down to play in our charity golf tournament right i'm gonna i'm gonna be looking forward to that we'll have some stories for our podcast no doubt and uh, uh another great effort by you jody to uh, to help some people so well done you're too kind you're too kind <laughs> all right buddy that's perfect okay i'll thanks, edit, I'll uh, edit thanks, that jody. down and get it into travis so perfect perfect okay. so right, it's gonna be a good show okay thanks. we'll see you Bye-bye. we'll see you next thursday you bet. I'll get okay. you. I'll tell you what time you. you'll be playing at soon, too. So. Okay. No. No worries. Right. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.